0: be alive in people's minds and their hearts. God, now as we turn as a congregation to look at your word, we pray that you would open our eyes to, to, the, to the beauty, to the abundant riches of the resurrection, God, that we have in Christ. God, I pray that you would allow us to see how how the exodus was just a foreshadowing, a, a prefiguring, a, a type of the resurrection that is to come. God, I pray that you would encourage us to, to take advantage of this Easter season, to 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 quiet our hearts and our minds, to not focus on the things of this world, God. Not to focus on the exteriors, but the inner workings of the heart. Father, you know what every man, woman, and child needs to hear today. I am just your servant. So I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I pray that the name of Jesus Christ would be extolled and exalted, that you would preach through me by the power of your Holy Spirit, taking this word and allowing it to fall on fertile soil. God, I pray that you would convict and comfort as only you can. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that you would move in today's service. We ask this in the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever felt completely unprepared and completely unready for something in your life? I remember I was 25 years old. Ellen and I were married for a little over a year. And we were going to start to try to have children. I know that everyone's story is a little different on how long it takes. Uh, I just did not think it would happen so fast. Um, It had been a month when Ellen looked at me, test in hand I'm pregnant. The words out of my mouth I cannot repeat. I was young. but I was completely and totally unprepared for fatherhood. When she said it, it didn't matter how ready I was, it didn't matter how prepared I was, ready or not, it is here. You know, God and his kindness sometimes thrust us in situations in our life that you may not be ready for, but are still best for you. Ready or not, it is here. Now, Israel had been slaves for 400 years. Sometimes we hear 400, sometimes you hear 430. It could have been the, the first 30 years they were not slaves, just living in the land when they had favor with Pharaoh from Joseph. But regardless, for 400 years, no matter how much these slaves desired to be free, leaving all that you know is still very difficult. God did not give the Israelites any time. My family and I are going to Washington, D.C. next week, and my wife is preparing the itinerary today. Well, can you imagine leaving everything behind and never to return with no planning? That's what God did to the Israelites. Ready or not, it is here. It's time for them to go. And God so decisively gave his people victory over the Egyptians in the slaying of the firstborn son, that the Egyptians pleaded with them, it's time to go, please leave, or else we will die. They had to deal with their departure. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Um, Pastor, do you know that it's Easter? And you're preaching from the Old Testament. (laughs) What are you doing? Well, um, I, I hope to show you from the Old Testament today how the Exodus was a a shadow, a a foreshadowing, a prefiguring, a type of the resurrection. What we see in the Exodus is really a a sign of what's going to happen in the resurrection. So we see that uh, the Exodus is deliverance accomplished by God, where God is the central figure of deliverance. The resurrection is the deliverance accomplished by God, where the triune God is the central player in the story. Exodus is the delivery from slavery to sonship. The resurrection is deliverance from slavery to death and the fear of death to be be adopted as sons to the promised Holy Spirit. The Exodus was deliverance through one man, Moses, where the resurrection was God's deliverance through the one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. The Exodus shows the relationship of Israel with God as his special people with obligations to worship and serve him and him alone as the resurrection shows the relationship of true Israel with God, as the called out ones who are to be zealous for good works, a people of his own possession. So I pray as we, as we look at this exodus that you will see the resurrection, that when we see the resurrection in the New Testament, it's not like this was unplanned. This was in the Old Testament, and it's in the New, because God had the same plan from the beginning. There's four things I want to point to you out in this text. Number one, I want you to see the abundant riches of the resurrection. The abundant riches of the resurrection. Look back with our text this morning, verse 33. It says, The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We shall all be dead. Now this is on the backs of of the night when they lost their firstborn child. And if the Israelites did not go, they were afraid for their own lives as well. So I want you to see the people of of Israel did not just leave Egypt, but they were given everything they needed to survive their journey in the wilderness. See, when God gives victory, he lavishes, he abundantly supplies grace to his people. See, in Exodus, God gave the Israelites silver and gold and clothing. They left Egypt with abundant grace. Riches. Now, when the New Testament speaks of the resurrection, it speaks of the Spirit of God and the Christian life. A lot of the same language is used. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in Him. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, hear this. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. When you see the exodus, God providing in abundance for the people of Israel, what you see in the New Testament, in the Holy Spirit, and in the resurrection, and in the, the promised resurrection, the final resurrection, and the day to come, is an abundance of riches, immeasurable riches, the text says. But not only in, in, in the future, right now, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, speaking of Christians, it says, you to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. The Holy Spirit, God himself. One of my favorite scriptures that I read for our assurance of pardon, First Peter 1, 3, 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. A few years ago, when I first became pastor here at the church, we used to have a Bible study with our senior saints every uh, other Tuesday. And one of the studies that we did was a Randy Alcorn book on heaven. And, and what the purpose of that book taught me, I think the, the book, what the book's design is, and what it really taught me, is that the more you think about the glories of heaven, the more you think about what is to come, the more you desire to live rightly now because you want to go there. I know that when I was a, a child, I, I thought heaven, I thought the, the resurrection was just going to be one long church service. And because I didn't like church, I didn't really want to go to heaven. But the more I studied heaven, the more I studied eternal life. That's a passage we read at our opening scripture, right? That there's pleasures at his right hand forevermore. That in his presence there is the fullness of joy. That is what God purchased for us in the resurrection from the dead. And Exodus is just a shadow, a, a, a picture of what was to come. Do you realize what you have in the resurrection of Christ? We have the spirit of Christ. We have life in his name. We have the power to overcome sin. We have all that we need for life and godliness, 2 Peter 1. And we have an inheritance, not just any inheritance, an inheritance that is undefiled, unfading, and unblemished, kept in heaven for us. But friends, this is not for all but only for those who are in Christ. And he makes a way, regardless of your past, regardless of your heritage, he makes a way for everyone in the resurrection. Second point, we see the mixed multitude of the resurrection, the mixed multitude. Look at verse 37. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Soketh, which means tent-dwelling city, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children, a mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now remember when God brought Israel through Joseph and through the famine to Egypt, there was seventy people, and over the last four hundred and thirty years that seventy became 600,000 men besides women and children, maybe 2 million people. Israel has become a great nation. This fulfills the promise that God made through Abraham, that through the offspring of Abraham, you will become a great nation and be a blessing to all the families of the earth. The Israelites believed in God's promises, and they were covered by the blood of the Lamb, and they left. This was only the beginning of the people who would trust in the Lamb. I love uh, when we worked through Revelation a couple uh, years ago, and we just saw this picture where thousands and thousands, myriads and myriads of people would be worshiping the Lamb. So in Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I think that verse especially means something this morning. As we gather here today with, with amazing grace, as I'm speaking in English, this service is being translated in Spanish, where people from different languages are worshiping the Lamb here. Praise be His name. And it said, one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So what you see in Revelation is this great multitude gathered around the throne. And I think what Exodus pictures is a a foreshadowing of that day, right? When you have Israelites And you have a mixed multitude, maybe other nations, Egyptians themselves, who had come to believe in Yahweh, the one true God, that he is stronger than all the false gods of Egypt. So after the resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended. He said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And people heard the works of God in their own tongue when the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, verse 8 and following. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Alamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Do you see what the Exodus tells us? That there's going to be a mixed multitude worshiping the one true God. We see that in, we see that in, in the resurrection, um, following the, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and we see that in the final resurrection around the throne. Let me make two applications for that. First, if you are a visitor here and you have yet to put your trust in Christ, can I just tell you, thank you for coming. I think sometimes it's hard to to kind of come to an Easter service if you haven't been regularly. Uh, We're glad that you are here. There's no other place we'd rather have you. But I want you to know this, that there is hope for you. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a living hope offered to all. Jesus Christ was sent into the world to pay for our sins on the cross. He was innocent. He committed no wrongs. He suffered in our place. He suffered as a sinner he was dead and buried for three days before God emphatically raised him from the dead. The resurrection is God announcing to the world that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, beloved. The resurrection proves that God the Father accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf of all who would repent and trust in him. So, if you are here today and you do not trust Christ, I would just ask you to believe. Hear the testimonies of the scriptures. Study the resurrection. Hear this message and turn from your sins and believe today. If you believe today, God will forgive you and God will save you. Because when you believe, you have a living hope to the resurrection from the dead. You have confidence in what's going to happen in the next day. You know, um, this has been a, an interesting week for me. Um, I've, I've preached um, six times in five days. Yesterday, I had the, the privilege of doing a funeral. Um, man, 45, um, woke up one day and didn't make it to the end. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And everyone there, I was able to tell them, I said, listen, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is a vapor. Life is a mist. There's people in this room who have lost loved ones like that, right? There are going to be people in this room this Easter who will not be here next Easter. And I don't say that to scare you. I just say that to say do not, do not delay. Because there was people in Egypt who, who didn't think the Lord was going to bring his wrath upon Egypt, and he did. There was others who, who, who saw what God did, and they put their faith and their trust in the Lamb. That's what I would ask of you today. Put your faith in the Lamb. Run to Christ. Repent of your sins and trust in him. And listen, the best news is that he will forgive you. No matter what you've done in your life, if you come to Christ, he will embrace you. He will welcome you in his arms. Now let me say a word to you Christians who are here, the beloved. Our life is not about us about god and his glory we must continue to share the hope of the resurrection there are others who are not yet in the sheepfold there are others from every tribe tongue language and people who have yet to trust in christ let us continue to do that here in rock hill and across the world i have been so encouraged by the evangelistic zeal of our people right they're sharing the gospel left and right to their co-workers and to their families and to their to their classmates but not only here, that we have this deep desire to go to the nations. So we have people going to Peru and Central Asia and the, and the Netherlands. Praise God that we're going all over the world for the gospel. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus said after his resurrection, what we were called to do in Luke 24. Jesus said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written about me, the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And beloved, I am encouraged as your pastor that you are living as witnesses to these things. I pray that we do so more and more. Let us be a signpost for the lost. Let us be the, the, the light to the, those in darkness. Let us be a guide to the, the blinds, the hope for the hopeless. Let this, this Resurrection Sunday remind us to live every day for that day. Well, the third thing I want you to see is the hopeful night of the resurrection. Look at verse 40. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is the night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. God had been watching his people for 400 years. He had not forgotten that they were in bondage. He remembered his covenant that he made to Abraham. And yet, even though he was always with them, this night was different. This night is called the night of watching, when God protected his people through his blood and ushered him to the Exodus. He was watching over them the destroyer would not hurt them. The Lord was watching and keeping his people. As God watched over them, he set aside this night as a night of watching, as a reminding to the people of God that this night will not last forever. Morning is coming. Sorrow may last through the night, but joy will come in the morning. It's a, it's a night to set aside to remember his, his death. The people were to watch throughout the night to look forward to that coming day. And listen, this is what the Bible talks about in terms of our life here and our life there. This is night. Even though it's, it's a beautiful day outside and it's, the sun is shining, right? This is night. We are under, in, in, a, in a fallen world, and we are told to, uh, to wait through the night and look towards the coming dawn. You know, if you ever noticed this in Genesis chapter 1, how God does define the day, we usually say what the, the, the morning and then the evening. The day's over. Well, the, the Bible's actually the opposite. The Bible in Genesis chapter 1 says, as that refrain, there was evening, and then there was morning. Day one, day two. We are in evening. We are in this fallen world where darkness often wins. We see heartbreak and grief and despair. People sin against us, and sadly we sin against others. It is evening, but morning is coming. That's what the resurrection shows us, right? We see the death on the cross, but we know Sunday's coming. We know the the dawning of a new day with the resurrection of Christ from the dead. I'm not sure if you noticed that today when we had our sunrise service. As soon as I started opening and reading the resurrection, the sun kind of popped out from the trees. It was just a small way I think God was showing you, look for the new day. Look for the sun to dawn. I love how uh, C.S. Lewis Captures this in the Chronicles of Narnia. The ending of the last battle, uh, the lion who represents the Christ figure says, The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked at them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before beloved we are in evening but one day morning's coming and that that day will will be a glorious day so let us hold on during the night by waiting and watching for the morning when the light of christ will dawn in our hearts how do we do this we do that by trusting in his word first second peter 1 9 says 119 that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which we do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Well, lastly, let me conclude the invitation of the resurrection, the invitation of the resurrection. Verses, Exodus chapter 12, beginning verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statue of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is brought, bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised them. No foreigner hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. He shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all the males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. All I want you to see in this last section is that there was one law for the native and one law for the for the sojourner, because there was one people. All who come to God in faith will be welcomed as full members of the people of God. There is no second-class citizens in the true nation of Israel, because there is no male or female. There is no slave or free. There is no Greek or Jew. There is one people of God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So when you come to Christ, when you are invited to the, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 16, 19, 9 says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When you are invited and you come to the table and you are invited and you respond in faith, you are welcomed as a full member, as a son and daughter of God, as a co-heir with Christ. We want to rejoice in what God has promised us. There's a parable that Jesus uh, shares with his people. He said that to a man had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. It's interesting how many times you read the Bible, how many times you see resurrection appearing. And the resurrection is a sign that one day we will breathe our laugh and there will be a resurrection for all people. We will be resurrected and we will stand before God and be either blessed and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, or we will be condemned. And the Lord will say, away from me, I never knew you. But here's the thing. We see in the Passover is that there was a mixed multitude who came up with the Israelites. And everyone was invited. If you want to come follow Christ, come follow Christ. You're invited. You just have to trust Christ and Christ alone. Trust Yahweh and Yahweh alone. Trust His word. So today there's an open invitation. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ gives an open invitation for everybody: the lame, the crippled, the blind, the sinner the sexually immoral, the greedy. God gives an open invitation to everybody. as says, if you come to Christ, he will clean you. He will wash you. He will justify you. He will sanctify you by the spirit of his God. All are welcome. The question for you and the question for me is will we accept that invitation? Christ has risen. He is preparing the marriage supper of the Lamb the resurrection guarantees that all who come to Christ in faith have a seat at the king's table. Do you realize what that means? That if you have faith in Christ, you will dine with the Holy One of God, the King of glory. Will you accept the invitation? Will you wait for that great feast with us? Will you wait understanding that this is the evening? But morning's coming. Resurrection is the sign that morning will one day dawn. And I pray that all of you here would hear these words. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to the table and feast with the king. Help me, Father. We thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you how you have shown us in your word uh, how the resurrection uh, has been planned from the beginning of time. We thank you for the picture in the exodus, the abundant riches you gave the people of Israel and the abundant riches you give us in Christ. God, I pray that all who are here uh, would, would follow you all the days of their life. They would give all their selves to you, that they would take advantage of this Resurrection Sunday and they live for your glory. Father, we pray your hand will be upon us now as we sing.